I speak to you this morning in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's been quite the week for faithful people around the world. Faithful Muslims have celebrated the day of sacrifice, where they remember Abraham's faithfulness and Isaac's life being saved on the altar. And they have celebrated the Hajj, the journey from Medina to Mecca. Faithful Jewish people have celebrated Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and the conclusion of ten days of prayer and reflection that began at the Jewish New Year. And the Pope. The Pope is on his apostolic visit to our country and has addressed Congress, the United Nations, and thousands of faithful and just plain curious people with a message of God's love for us and our opportunities to grow in that love, to grow in community, and to grow as followers of Christ. Couple all of that with a lunar eclipse combined with a supermoon tonight, the blood moon that pagans will celebrate, and you have quite the religious week. As good Protestants, we may be tempted to feel left out. Where is our great marker at this time of year for reflection and discernment of God's will and call to action in our lives? Fear not, good friends, because we're celebrating the feast of it today. The feast of St. Michael and all angels may mean much to you or absolutely nothing to you, but this feast day is deeply ingrained in our Christian heritage and even in our daily lives. The Feast of St. Michael, or Michaelmas, is an ancient celebration of harvest and of new beginnings. Michaelmas was the marker of new school terms at universities, and in England and Wales this day still marks the time when rents are to be collected, when new sessions of Congress start. And it's our very own Supreme Court that follows this in the first Monday of October returning to Senate. Michaelmas is a celebration that focuses on God's blessings, a reckoning of affairs, and both the hope and expectation of great change in the near future. And what better heavenly beings to convey all of these things than the archangels, Michael and Gabriel and Raphael? We don't talk much about angels today, and to imagine them, we picture them in the outfield at a baseball game, or kitschy, fairy-like creatures to pin above our driver's seat, ones with big eyes and curly hairs overlooking big-eyed and curly-haired sheep in manger scenes. But angels are a magnificent part of creation that seek to glorify God and seek God's will. Whenever an angel shows up in the Bible, it's terrifying The number one quote from angels in scripture is, do not be afraid. Angels are immediately identified as otherworldly by their appearance and bearing and voices and the reaction that they can't help but create in the people that see them. And they reveal God's will and desires on often unsuspecting people. Think of Abraham, who was willing to sacrifice the son Isaac for whom he had prayed for so long, 
and was stopped by an angel declaring that God accepted his faithfulness. Think of Jacob, who just a few chapters before the one we read today in Genesis wrestled with an angel and got a broken hip, but also through that fight received a new name, a name that means one who strives with God, the name of Israel. In his vision of angels and ascending and descending on Jacob's ladder, or the literal stairway to heaven, was a sign that God blessed the land on which he slept, a land that was promised, a land that God would protect and always be present in. Think of Mary, who was visited by an angel and told that she had found favor with God, that she had leaned towards God, and would bear a boy to be named Jesus, the Most High, he who would be heir to David's throne. Think of the shepherds, terrified in the field, but compelled to share the blessing of the birth of Christ. And think of Jesus himself, who after his temptation in the desert by the devil, was cared for by angels and who said during his arrest that he would not call upon their legion of heavenly warriors for help. In today's reading from Revelation, where Michael slays the dragon and upholds the victory of Christ in the world. The motto for angels may as well be to protect and to serve. That's what angels do best. Their office is to be an angelus a message, or a delegate, and they are an angelus domini, an angel of the Lord, and the namesake of the great prayer, the angelus, the Hail Mary, which begins, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary. And their name is the name of the bells that call us to worship and mindfulness that God is always with us and always for us. Angels incite fear, But I don't think it's wholly because of their appearance. Whenever an angel appears to share God's will for a person or for a people, nothing is ever the same. Angels are like us in that they are chiefly designed to be in relationship with God. A relationship filled with wonder and praise and communion. But angels are unlike us in that they are forever faithful to God. And unequivocally, every hour of every day of eternity, seek to glorify God in all that they do and through all that they do. In their relationship with humanity, angels seek to share God's will and help us get there, protecting us all along. The Archangel Michael is commonly viewed as a warrior, and this isn't surprising given today's account from Revelation. But that perception is actually more recent than you think. This described prince of angels was actually first revered as a healer, an angel who healed the divided heavens and who works healing upon earth. In art, he is depicted with both sword and shield, a defender and a protector. Michaelmas is a celebration of healing, of harvest, of restoration of broken things, and new beginnings. So what does all of this mean for us? We cannot be or become angels, yet we use the language of angel in ways that convey a depth of meaning, 
a touch of the otherworldly, something that we can't explain that changes us. He sings like an angel, or she was like an angel in my time of need, we say. We may not become them, but their presence and our understanding of them can help and inspire us as individuals and within a community. This feast day helps to remind us of the importance of the changing of a season. Technically, it's fall, even though you wouldn't be able to tell it here. And at the planning, at the end of all the planning and toil and work that it takes to plant and grow and tend a crop, we reap a harvest. And this is important to recognize in our own lives, but it's also something to mark or celebrate in the lives of others. Have you recently accomplished a goal? Has someone in your life recently experienced a marked change? Reflect on the harvest in your life and how fertile ground may be resting in relief or being prepared for new things to grow. We're reminded today that healing is intrinsically tied to battle or strife. Michael, again, is depicted as both a warrior and a healer. And so on whatever level that we are fighting battles, there's hope for healing to be found in some quarter, sometimes in the most unexpected of ways. Where are the pockets of healing and hope in your battles? How can you be healing to another person who is suffering? Contemplating angels hopefully leads us into a sense of wonder about God and creation. The idea of what St. Paul describes as the great cloud of witnesses that includes the heavenly host is beautiful. That there are pieces of creation that God uses as messengers of the divine will and of our protection is rightly beyond our grasp. And even though we may never behold an angel by sight, Thomas Aquinas says that we can hear their voices in our hearts. When was the last time you were in awe of something? Where do you see wonder and grace occurring in the lives of those around you? Angels always strive to praise God, and they do this by prayer and adoration, seeking God's will, discerning with others how to move into it, and to provide strength and support and healing whenever we need them, acting as agents of God. We can learn from them. So we celebrate Michaelmas to stop, breathe, and discern how to find and be found by God, how to serve and be served by others, and how to experience and share wonder in the world. Let us pray. O God, whom saints and angels delight to worship in heaven, be ever present with us, your servants, who seek to perfect the praises offered by your people on earth, and grant us even now glimpses of your beauty, and make us worthy at length to behold it unveiled forevermore. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.